Welcome to Stand Out from the Crowd, the podcast dedicated to helping professionals and leaders amplify their voice, impact and influence. Are you ready? Let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Bonjour, salam alaikum. How are you doing, beautiful people? So welcome to a new live episode of Stand Up From The Crowd, the podcast dedicated to helping leaders amplify their voice and influence. Because as leaders, that's what we want to do. We want to have a great impact and we want to build and live a long-lasting legacy, right? So to do so every week, I have uh, the pleasure of inviting the standout guest leaders in their area of expertise who come and share their story, their experience, the ups and downs, you know, the real stories behind what it takes uh, to become a leader and to have an impact on people. And today, our guest is uh, Kimi uh, Soki. So Kimi is the Regional Health and Wellbeing Manager at AXA Golf, uh, where she leads the Health on Track initiatives that focus on holistic well-being and preventive health care. And given the past two years that we have been through, we know how much it is important and how essential it has become to place the employees' health and wellness in the workplace at the center of everything that we do as a business. Soki is a long, lifelong learner and a vid reader. She wants to be part of a revolution to make workplaces more human through emotional intelligence and empathy. empathy. We're gonna talk about it. She's deeply passionate about employee engagement, corporate well-being, learning design and delivery, and culture creation. And this is all we are about here. She is a qualified engineer who has enjoyed 12 years, uh, a 12 years career as a management and IT consultant before switching a career to follow her, her passion. And this is a topic that comes back often here on this show, you know, after building a beautiful career, how do you make the shift? You know, how do you follow your passion? How do you follow your heart? This is also something that we're gonna talk with, with Kimi. Um, she is, uh, her certifications now include a registered nutritionist, co-active coach, certified HR professional, trained, a mindfulness instructor and project manager. Wow. So I hope you are getting very excited. And let please help me welcome uh, Kimi Soki. Hello, Kimi. How are you doing? Hi, Doreen. Good morning. Good morning. Good afternoon. So we have a beautiful international community. I know for those of you, for some of you, it's early morning. For some of you in Dubai, it's uh, late evening. So thank you, everyone. And thank you, Soki, for accepting to uh, Kimi to be a standout guest for today's show. So my first question to you, how are you doing today? Really well. Yeah, really good. Very good. Yes, that's what we like to hear. So it looks like you had two lives in one life. And, and that's what I love about my guests, right? And I'm sure you probably have many other lives that, that we won't talk about today. And that's the beauty of, you know, 
of being a leader, but also having the strength and the courage to follow our heart and our passion. So Kimi, tell us a little bit, uh, uh, how was your shift from being a successful IT consultant, engineer, having a, a great career and then deciding like from one day to the other, or maybe the process took longer to finally have the courage because it takes some courage to follow your heart and your passion. How was the process? Yeah, uh, it's been a while now since that happened, but I uh, essentially, you know, I, I'm an engineer and I went to school uh, to do software engineering and I worked as an IT consultant for many years. I think it was like 12 or 14 years uh, back in Canada and the U.S. And um, the, you know, many years into my career, I was I was successful. I was good at it. I enjoyed uh, many aspects of it, uh, but I didn't really gain like a sense of fulfillment and um, coincidentally, at the same time, I was uh, traveling a lot every week, actually. Uh, the life of a, of a consultant was that I was traveling from Monday to Friday or Monday to Thursday to different locations in North America, you know, different cities uh, for client work. Uh, and I was I went through a lot of health issues during that time. So I was very sick. Um, I was having repeat infections. I was always at the doctor's office. I was on uh, antibiotics for almost like, I would say like two years, uh, almost solid. And um, like my body was not, not happy with me uh, because the schedule, uh, the hours were really long. It was a very demanding job uh, con as consulting can be, uh, which is where a lot of, you know, a lot of young people, that's how they start their careers. Uh, and it's a, it's a great experience, but it can be really hard on you. And it's there's no work-life balance. So working really, really long hours in these different cities, uh, coming home on a Friday night, uh, just having two days to do your laundry and to try to eat some something that's not from a restaurant and at home and then pack again and then travel again on Monday. Um, so during that time, because I kind of went through the, these health issues, um, I eventually, because like traditional medicine didn't really have an answer for me, uh, I ended up seeing a naturopathic doctor and then he referred me to a nutritionist okay. and it was through cutting out certain things in my diet and, you know, really making a drastic change in the way that I was eating, uh, that I was able to actually fix the, uh, repeat infections that I was getting um, and, you know, the fact that, you know, to get away from the sickness that I was experiencing all the time. And uh, because I kind of went through that journey, it really, it inspired me to look into nutrition a little bit more. And then I ended up uh, researching local uh, schools in Toronto, which is where I, I lived for most of my life. So, uh, which is where you are. Uh, so I ended up, you know, researching, um, uh, local colleges that were offering nutrition courses. And I ended up auditing a couple of classes, just sitting in on the classes. And the first time I went in and sat in on one of the classes, it just changed my life. Like I felt so much at home. I fell in love with what the teacher was talking about. And I finally felt like, oh, I found my tribe. Like these are my people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so that's how it happened. You know, uh, I was already, I knew that I was, I wanted something different. I was on the lookout for a career change, but then kind of through this health journey, it took me on a path where uh, nutrition just ended up making a lot of sense to me. And 
I think as an engineer, you know, nutrition is based in science. Uh, it's rooted very strongly in, you know, there's a lot of science behind what we eat and, you know, uh, the food that we eat contains vitamins and minerals and there's reactions that are happening in the body and deficiencies show up as different diseases. So all of that just really made sense to me. And I really liked, uh, I, I mean, the next couple of years that I spent studying it was just really one of the best times ever of my life uh, to study all this stuff. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And so through your own story, your own personal experience, you realized how much like self-care and health and wellness, well-being at work uh, is important. No matter what your workplace looks like, it's really important to uh, be able to take care of yourself. And so I guess you realize if this is happening to me, it must be happening to other people, right? So this this is where you transition then to focus on helping people getting uh, well, you know, focus on their health and wellness, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. You know, I realized if I'm going through this, then many other people must be going through it as well. Mm -hmm. uh, interestingly enough, like after I graduated, I worked at a couple of clinics in Toronto and I was in private practice, uh, you know, sometimes doing stuff with gyms and stuff like that. But then I realized that my reach was very limited uh, through private practice. As much as I enjoyed working with people one-on-one, -on -one, um, I also realized that I have all of this really valuable experience working in the corporate world. So if I can bring this back to the corporate world, uh, I can reach more people. You know, I can have a larger impact. So that's when I also started pivoting a little bit, you know, about a year into private practice. Um, I realized, okay, you know what, I actually do want to come back into the corporate world and focus on how this knowledge can be useful for employers and employees um, so that people don't have to suffer like I did, because I really was suffering because of my job. It wasn't even really, uh, you know, it, yes, it, it, there's, there's starting, there's uh, different things that incept, uh, you know, disease and, and uh, you know, uh, you know, a mis misalignment in our bodies or uh, a lack of balance. But for me, it really was the lifestyle that I was living that was causing me to eat a certain way and not make the time for myself and all of that. And I know that I was not unique, you know, uh, that that's just kind of the work culture in a lot of organizations is, is work hard, play hard or, you know, whatever they want to label it. Um, yeah. So, so that's where I made the pivot even more towards more coming back into the corporate world. And actually you were ahead of our time because little did we know that something called COVID would come <laughs> and like turn our lives ups and down. And, and you mentioned it like workplace culture used to be and, and still is, but I feel like there is a, a shift that is happening, a major shift that is happening, but it was about work hard, play harder, work harder, you will play later eventually, right? But the yeah. focus was on the working part, uh, not really considering the needs of employees, uh, the well-being, the, the health, the mental health of their employees. And uh, we know some for the biggest organizations, but also for the small and medium-sized companies, you see where they have high turnover and you see where people are not productive because they are just like pushed beyond their limits and no one care about what's happening uh, in their head or, you know, in their heart. 
And so with the crisis that we went through for the past two years, uh, people realized that this is not sustainable. We don't want to follow this work, uh, you know, model or this culture anymore. Like we are humans, we are employees, but before being an employee, I'm a human with basic needs and my mental health matters. My well-being matters. So we see this big shift happening. So now more and more companies talk about it. Now do all these companies talking about it do implement or have concrete actions, right, toward the well-being uh, of the employees? But I feel like, and here in North America, we talk about the great resignation where people now have found the strength, you know, and have just realize that okay if i'm not fulfilled if you don't care about my needs as a person then i move on and i can go and say this is what's happening so how you from like being from the inside already for many years already how did you how, how did this shift happening and and what's the major difference that you see uh, in the corporate culture yeah, it was really fascinating, wasn't it? Because I, I mean, we, I even noticed a shift like within the organization that I was working for previously and the mindset changing around working from home or always being in the office, you know, whereas before it was like very rarely would companies allow that type of flexible working, but suddenly everybody is offering it now or it's become sort of a, an expected thing that organizations have to have to offer to stay competitive. Mm -hmm because of the great resignation, as you said. Um, and what I think happened during the pandemic was really interesting because there was suddenly we were all in the same boat. You know what I mean? Like uh, managers, uh, leaders, uh, employees, everybody was all that we were all at home. We were all stuck at home. We all experienced some version or another of a lockdown. And we all went into each other's homes through Zoom or Microsoft yeah. Teams or whatever. And we saw the kids, the family, and, you know. <laughs> so I think for the first time, you know, like you're seeing like where your boss sits and your boss is seeing where you sit to work and they're seeing your kids running around or your pets. Or maybe they see that you're alone all the time because you live alone, right? Um, so whatever the struggles were, you know, whether that's childcare, a mental health, a loneliness, we were all sort of in the same boat and we were literally in each other's bedrooms and living rooms. And I think that really humanized uh, our coworkers than the people that we work with in a way that, you know, no team building event could have ever, ever done oh, that. For before. sure. Oh, never. Yes, for sure. <laughs> um, and I think that because organizing, because leaders were now experiencing what their employees are experiencing at home, it was like a great equalizer in many ways. And, and I think that's why a lot of leaders suddenly woke up to the fact that, hey, if I'm struggling with my mental health, then employees must be struggling. And I can see on their faces through their screens that they're struggling. And therefore, we need to start putting programs in place to mitigate that and to support them. Uh, but I think, as you said, you know, the big question now is whether we remember those lessons that we learned through the pandemic and and uh, we take those learnings and those teachings uh, that we learned and don't try to go back to normal as normal was before yeah, yeah. yeah and don't forget all of these lessons because i think that would be a real shame and i can kind of see that happening it's kind of mixed in dubai um you know where there's a lot of sort of more traditional organizations and traditional companies and bosses 
that are very much wanting to go back to the way things were instead of creating sort of a new reality based on what's happened in the last two years. Um, so, yeah. But I do believe the companies um, across the world, you know, wanting to go back to the old ways or the, the what we used to call normal won't be sustainable, won't be successful in the long run because people are no longer accepting what's not acceptable to them, right? Absolutely. And exactly, I think that they're going to struggle with uh, attracting good talent. They're going to struggle with retaining good talent. Yeah. Um, it, they may not see that immediately, but they will, they're going to see it in time. So the cost is going to, that, you know, that check will have to be cashed at some point. Yes, exactly. And we have a couple of people. So I see many of you here watching uh, the live. So thank you everyone for being present. If you have any questions, any comments, if you have any examples or experience that you would like to share with us, the time is now. So please use the comment section to share your thoughts and to see if you can just relate to what we are sharing today. Uh, we have uh, Salah Al, let me see, Al Balushi, who says, uh, awesome subject. Uh, uh, thank you. That's easy to, ha to have great uh, subjects when we have uh, awesome guests, too, I must say. I must say. <laughs> uh, we have Nina. Hello, Nina. Uh, who is, uh, who is, uh, I think she's from Canada, Nina. Where are you based? I think she's in Canada. And we have Salah also says, uh, great conversation. So thank you. Keep your comments uh, coming in, uh, beautiful people. So now you say that in your biography, you say that you want to be part of a revolution to make workplaces more human through emotional intelligence and empathy. So what does this revolution look like? Uh, would you say that we are we have started this revolution? Or well, how do you envision it? Yeah, I mean, I think the pandemics <laughs> the pandemic was sort of a kick in the butt <laughs> for a lot of organizations to yes. start down that path. It really was a wake-up call for a lot of organizations. Um, but I think it simply looks like companies and bosses treating their employees the way that they want to be treated. I don't know what happens to people when they get promoted. Um, I don't know why there's such a split at the top where, you know, people uh, suddenly once they are in a position of power, feel like they can mistreat employees or employees are considered less than. And, you know, they're the the, adi the attitude, uh, especially I think, uh, again, what I've noticed in this region as well is that you're being paid to do a job so you don't have a right to complain about anything. We're paying you for our time and that's enough, right? Um, so getting a paycheck should be enough. You shouldn't have to worry about taking care of people's health and well-being and making sure that they're engaged. Um, and I think that's really the wrong attitude to have because if every leader reflected on what is the best boss that I ever had in my life, I'm sure, uh, you know, we would, if you came up with the list of the characteristics that made them such a great boss, uh, it would have everything to do with empathy and emotional intelligence and them caring for their people and uh, having a great vision, of course, uh, but they're able to inspire people. And and that's what I think, that's where I think companies a lot of the times miss the boat by treating employees, you know, because if you treat employees with empathy and humanity, you end up with highly engaged, you know, highly productive team members that actually want to go above and beyond. You don't need to push them. You don't need to, uh, you know, 
like with the carrots and the sticks analogy, you don't need sticks, you know, when you have good carrots, uh, that that's motivation enough for them. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's what an empathetic, humane workplace looks like is just when you're able to put yourself in the shoes of others and treat others like you'd like to be treated. So it's, it's very simple, but it's, uh, hard to do something that simple doesn't mean that it's easy right so yeah very true and you know actually uh, we see it more and more often where people will turn down jobs with a high pay uh, uh, salary so a high paid job to go to a lower paid job where but where they feel fulfilled and where they feel like this is a workplace where they want to belong to right So yeah. the, 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 the paradigm is changing and employees' priori priorities are changing. It's not, of course, we all need to pay the bills and we're working to make money, obviously, but it's not the primary, uh, this is not the first, the top priority anymore. Now people yeah. are looking for fulfillment. They are looking for work-life balance, no matter what it means to them, right? Uh, they yes. are looking to uh, contribute to something meaningful, to have an impact. And especially millennials and the younger generations, they would value the impact of the organization they work with way, way more and above the salary, right? So priorities are shifting, especially starting with us millennials and the younger generation. So companies who will succeed are the ones who will be able to understand that the priorities of people who can potentially become their employees are changing too. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing is what they don't, what organizations need to realize is that uh, older generations put up with behavior that the younger generation will just not put up with anymore. No longer. So, yeah. So if you're yeah. watching this live, people and you are running a business a company you are a leader the time is now to you know educate yourself of what you, the next top talents uh, are looking for that's it i think it's i think it's quite simple it's not easy to do but i think we tend to make things more difficult than what they are because yeah. it would just be willing you know to open your mind and to understand that the world is evolving workplaces are evolving people's priorities are evolving too. So you got to be able to adjust, adapt, and evolve with your time. That's it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I have been told, and mm -hmm. I know that uh, on your, on your uh, spare time, you like to go on adventurous holidays. So tell us a little bit more about what does an adventurous uh, holidays look like and what's your best memories? <laughs> Yeah, I've been very lucky to have a lot of great, great holidays, to be honest. But I think uh, to fit the definition of adventurous, I think it would be um, I went to uh, Everest Base Camp in 20, 2014, I think, 2014. Um, and it was almost sort of like a very quick decision. Like I, I was just doing some research online. I just moved to Dubai. I was taking a break, so I didn't have a job at the time. And um, yeah, I just like booked a ticket and went to Nepal <laughs> and decided to do this very difficult 12 day trek, uh, which I absolutely had not trained my body for at all. And I was not really prepared for how physically challenging it would be 
and uh, and also mentally challenging, really, because at the end of the day, there's a physical part of of doing something like that. But there's a huge mental component of um, waking up each day and deciding, okay, today is another day. I'm just going to take it day by day. And in fact, it wasn't even day by day. I mean, there was days where because I was in so much pain, uh, I had a, a, I think on day three or four, I had a, a really bad injury in my in my right thigh. Uh, because of the trek and it was every day was like okay one step at a time (laughs) not just day at a time Uh, but it was you know really maybe one of the most memorable uh, trips I've ever taken because it was absolutely stunning like the Himalayas are beautiful and uh, yeah it was challenging but it was absolutely one of the most beautiful places that I've ever been to in my life and I'll always have very fond memories and I'm glad I did it um, you know, I don't think knowing what I know now and knowing how hard it ended up being, uh, if I had all the information and had done a lot of thorough research, maybe I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> uh, but the fact that, you know, I just kind of quickly booked it and decided that this is the thing I need to do right now. I think sometimes uh, being spontaneous works. Oh, <laughs> uh, It does. And, you know, this is where you learn the most. What would be the I'm sure like you have learned a lot of things about you first you know, during this trip, what is the, the, the biggest lessons that you think you have learned from this experience? Uh, the trip was very, very good for uh, self-belief, to be honest with you. I was going through a very difficult time in my life when I decided to do the trek. I think that's why I decided to do it. I'd gone through uh, a very difficult breakup uh, and uh, I had, you know, moved countries that moved from Canada to Dubai. So it was a really a transitionary period in my life where I was trying to figure out who am I and what am I without this relationship and et cetera, et cetera. And um, I think sometimes when we challenge ourselves and, and I think also being in nature every day was very healing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think what I just learned about myself is that, yeah, like humans are capable of a lot. So once, if we decide that we want to do something, we really can uh, you know, we can persevere uh, through difficult periods. So I think it was just the right thing at the right time because it helped helped me believe in myself again. Uh, so it was a very special trip from from a, from that perspective, from an emotional perspective. Yeah. Wow, that's that's beautiful. You know, yeah, you just wanna, yeah, you are motivating me. I don't know if it's motivating motivating you watching, but to to try it, to give it a try, to do something out of the extra out of the ordinary so you know but we should do that that should be mandatory once a year at least to push ourselves outside of our comfort zone and to go experience something that we never thought we could do and we would do in our lifetime i think we would learn so much more about who we are as people and i do believe also the more we know about ourselves the more we are able to uh, lead with empathy and you know to understand others and to have a greater impact because it all starts from within anyway absolutely very and, true words for me. yeah and we have a comment here from nina who says a hybrid way of working is now of big interest also for men not only for women so i do hope that the hybrid way of working will become a standard and actually that's very interesting thank you uh, nina for your comment because i was reading an article that says more and more and more since with the pandemic so now we we can say we are post-pandemic hopefully um that more and more men 
through this transition uh, period realized that they want to be a stay-at-home dad, right? And But our culture is not ready and is not prepared for that, being the so, our so, society as a whole or, you know, company's culture uh, is not ready for that yet. But there is a need here also from men who realize that it's cool to be working from home because they don't have to sacrifice their family anymore. They can still do the job and enjoy, you know, their kids and their family. So that's that's very true. And this is what is becoming the new normal, in my opinion, the hybrid way of working. That's becoming the standard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's all for us today. Thank you so much, everyone, for uh, watching us. If you have any questions, you are watching the replay, leave your comment and questions in the comment. We, we read and answer all of them. Uh, Kimi, thank you so much for your time and you know for sharing your story with us. I like having uh, those type of conversation because from the outside, uh, we don't realize how, uh, you know, how humans <laughs> leaders are. And actually, when we learn more about you, when we learn more about your story, your experience, you know, it's a way of motivating others to become the leaders they were meant to be. Oh, it wasn't easy, you know, she wasn't, I mean, she had a career before, so if she did it, I can do it too. And that's really the objective of this of this uh, daily, uh, this weekly uh, conversation is to have an opportunity to learn more about, you know, what it takes to become a leader. And the journey to leadership is not easy. We all have ups and downs, uh, even when it looks perfect from the outside. Uh, there is always, uh, you know, a journey that every single one uh, of us go through. So thank you so much, Kimi, for sharing your your story with us. Most welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. And uh, maybe I'll see you in Toronto someday. <laughs> oh, when you come to Toronto, please tell me, say hi. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you, everyone. I will see you next week. Bye-bye. Take care.